0: don't even respect us enough to let it be part of the news. You don't even make the news when you kill each other. I'm saying to you in every city and every place, quit killing each other. Organize. Take that same energy and strength that you had to fight with and throw your arm around your brother and say, hey, brother, let's sit down and get this thing together.
1: I made a tune, talking loud and saying nothing. And this is where we're coming from, talking loud and saying nothing.
0: You know, today is February 20th And it's five minutes after 12 noon on a Saturday And like I said, today is February 20th For me, it has double meaning Good morning, good afternoon, Martin Espinal, And uh, we've been discussing the Civil War You just heard James Brown talking about the young people Killing each other And at the same time, saying nothing.
2: In the spring of 1963,
1: protesters took to the streets of Birmingham, Alabama to integrate the city's lunch counters. Civil rights organizers turned to local DJs for help. I was standing on the corner living.
0: We want to stress the importance of what we do. Once we come on the airwaves, we have to give substantive content so that people can rise. I broke
1: up the demonstrations of hoses and dogs. It was the DJs who came up with a way to outmaneuver the police. They spoke in code on the air and used songs as signals to let kids know when to march. I can remember one song that comes to mind that I would play. Reverend Erskine Fosh was a gospel DJ on Birmingham station, W-E-N-N. At a time when there was great police resistance,
3: when certain barriers were placed, physical barriers to close off certain streets. To keep the demonstrations, or the demonstrators, rather, from going in certain directions...
0: Special broadcast, the Civil Rights Movement, February 20th. Right now we're in 1963, but tomorrow... Will be February 21st. And that's going to make us have to go up to 1965. When Malcolm. Our black. Shining Prince. Was killed in 1965. At the Audubon Ballroom. Right there on 165 in Manhattan. Across the street. From Columbia Presbyterian Church. Why it took so long to get the brother. To the hospital. One must wonder. As we listen to and get inspired on a Sunday, this kind of stuff will not get out. It, we must endeavor to bring it to you. You're not going to go to the end of the dial on your radio station to listen to this content.
3: Just because when to stop the going that way, get a call and... A butt would be coming out from 6th Avenue South and another would be coming out on 19th Street or various places. So it worked very well.
0: This song was a signal for the young people to activate.
1: During the 60s, Birmingham was known as Bombing. So many bombs were thrown at churches and homes of civil rights leaders. Fashion station, W.E.N.N., also became a target. Well, the radio station was bombed itself.
3: We had to crawl in through broken glass, and we sat up for many days after crawling through plain glass windows that had been broken out during the night, and debris all over the floor, and that sort of thing. That happened often. We kept having to repair the, <laughs> the front of the radio station in order to get in to work.
1: There were no injuries, and no bombers were ever caught. DJ Shelley, the Playboy Stewart recalls another incident.
4: There yeah, I was on the air, just hey, Lottie Mama, you know, doing my bit. And uh, the phone began to ring. Say, Shelley, you're losing power. And we can't hear you too well. I said, Well, what's wrong? So I had the intercom to come out to the transmitter. Uh, Engineer. Engineer Yes Listen, I'm getting calls up here that we're losing power. Yes Well uh, what's wrong? Well uh the towers being cut down. What towers being The Radio Tower We're sitting there uh who's cutting it down? The Lu club Klan but Mr. <laughs> Kirkpatrick, just like a mission. Mr. Kirkpatrick, why don't you call the police and tell them the Klu Klug Klu Klan are cutting the tower down? Because
0: they are the police.
4: I can't call them because I'm one of the Klu Club Klan. And it was not less five minutes the tower hit the ground. <laughs>
5: Stop! Woo! Stop!
2: Need
1: a wagon? The violence in Birmingham shocked the nation. Black radio stations kept people informed about the latest events. You'd hear a different perspective on the news from black radio than you'd get anywhere else on your dial. Civil rights was often the lead story. Many listeners in San Francisco heard it first on station KDIA. Now KDIA News. Senate Republican Leader Everett Dixon
2: predicted this afternoon that Congress... We'll kill President Johnson's latest civil rights proposal to ban discrimination in the sale or rental of housing. We began to set up contacts with other stations in other cities as these stations
3: began to develop.
1: KDI's program director was Chuck Scruggs. We'd go
3: around AP and UP. We'd get the information before they got it, or we'd get information that they didn't have. Because we had guys at the station... And they'd get called because the black community knew this station, whether they had a news department or not. They'd call the popular jock in town and say, "Hey, did you know police just shot a guy over here?" And they'd be all in arms. Well, this black remember, Johnny, folks. Tomorrow, he can't this is 1963. He starts at the height
0: of the civil rights movement and
3: deciding what could be aired or what could not be aired. He'd either go personally or send someone else. The thing is, I say, in the black community, you were there. The white media didn't hang out in the black community too much. We were there. When it happened, we'd record the gunshots. We'd record the comments. We'd record police, do something. We'd almost be that close to it. And that's the key to black radio and its growth.
1: One of the pioneers of journalism on black radio was newsman Roy Wood. Good
6: morning. I'm Roy Wood. Earlier today in Tuskegee, civil rights leaders and followers will be getting set to begin the first leg of a five-state voting rights march in motorcade from Tuskegee to the nation's capital. Wood covered the civil rights
1: movement in the South during the 60s. He did this for Station WVON in Chicago. He's also the creator of the radio commentary series entitled One Black Man's Opinion. After a trip to Alabama... Wood produced an alarming report about the Ku Klux Klan. The Klan is just now beginning to rise. They think it was big in the 20s. Well, you've heard of the roaring 20s. Let's make it a roaring 60s. Yeah. Wood acquired the tape for his story from a fellow reporter who snuck into
6: a Klan rally outside Birmingham. A young news reporter who worked for WBR Radio, in New York young white fellow that I knew dressed up in Klan uniform and went to the meeting with his tape recorder strapped to his body and got close to the platform. The young fellow risked his life to get that tape. I utilized it simply as a news report. I outlined how the Ku Klux Klan spread ignorance among people who were already ignorant enough to be members of the Klan. Ladies and gentlemen, i tell you
5: what we need in this country. We need to go back to the old time religion time and the old time
2: Klan time.
0: Folks, this is an actual meeting of the Ku Klux Klan you're listening to. Just a
2: few years ago, years ago, in the state of Alabama here, Martin Luther King would have even run through this state high
5: integration if he wouldn't have got 20 feet across the state line. Yeah.
6: The reaction from the listening audience was disbelief, anger, and a matter of trying to make the NAACP come closer together and fight harder for the right to be free unfettered citizens of the United States of America This is episode 5 of the
2: 25th anniversary edition of Black Radio Telling It Like It Was I'm Jackie Gales Webb, original producer from 1996 We'll be right back
0: Folks, it's a pleasure for me to be able to bring this I mean, I feel blessed, actually, honored that I have the opportunity to capture this broadcast and then in turn to be able to share it with you. We just heard an actual Ku Klux Klan meeting taking place where they discussed what they would have done to Martin Luther King had it been 20 years before. So this is 1963. Let's you in the 40s, what the old clan would have done. The old time religion, he said. We got these people coming down here, and they trying to tell us how to live our lives. I don't understand it, because one thing I know for sure, um, my name is Buster Buskley. That's right, you heard. It. Buster Buckley. Hey, some folks gonna be square. Our only thing I can say is this. For y'all know that start coming down here, we had our Negroes and they was happy negroes. They was happy, they was happy fellas. Now y'all coming here and stop bringing in all these communist ideas and what you get? What we got now is ourselves a big old problem. We know how to deal with our Negroes. We do. Let us handle it. We got this. 1876. Hmm? Reconstruction. Hmm? We put into it back then. And we were giving back our peculiar institution and we handled it like we've always done. Our Negroes lovers, I don't understand. We Christian people. We the most hospitable, the most civil. Practically, you could say we all knights out here. And all our ladies are ladies. So we don't want them defiled. We don't want no I mean, this Negro putting his hands on my little girl. Let me ask you something, son. Since you seem to be so in league with them, and double A-C-P in the Abram League, and what's that other one? They call themselves Core, Huh. Some dude called Roy Ennis. He even got a son he called nigger. I, I, I can't read that well, but it is N-I-G-E-R and I'm prone to just say it the way it is. I don't know the difference if you got one I, two N's, two E's or two R's or two G's. He's still a nigger to me. Wow.
7: Out to school. The teacher is teaching the golden rule. Well, when these integration crises took place there in Little Rock, Arkansas, I was working at radio station KOKY. This jockey Al Bell. As a matter of fact, the radio station was located just three to four blocks from the school. We were about four blocks uh, east of the school and on the bus route. So many of the students that attended Central High School would have to come by the radio station on their way to school in the morning. And they would stop by the station as they had been doing for quite some time prior to the integration uh, situation there and come into Studio A and dance in the studio while I played music. So I had an audience that was made up of the students that attended Dunbar. High school, uh, a college in that area that was Arkansas Baptist College and Central High School. They would uh, converge upon the studio in the morning and I'd let them dance in there before they went off to school. And we were integrated there before the integration crisis took place there at the school.
1: Civil rights leaders recognize black radio's contribution to social change. Dr. King spoke before the National Association of Television and Radio Announcers. that's an organization of black broadcasters.
5: I valued a special opportunity to address you this evening. For in my years of struggle, both north and south, I have come to appreciate the role which... The radio announcer plays in the life of our people. For better or for worse, you are opinion makers in the community. And it is important that you remain aware of the power
1: which is potential in your vocation. Dr. King took the opportunity to thank the black DJs who championed the movement.
5: No one knows the importance of tall Paul White and the massive nonviolent demonstrations of the youth of Birmingham in 1963. Are the funds raised? by Purvis Spann for the Mississippi Summer Project of 1964 or the consistent fundraising and voter education done for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the Civil Rights Movement by Georgia Wood, my good friend of Philadelphia.
1: Black Radio was also there in a time
3: of crisis. Roy Wood made the announcement. He said, it's confirmed that Martin Luther King has been assassinated.
1: He, Rodney Jones, is a DJ on WVON in Chicago. We at
3: WVON will be here to give you an update. We're urging you to be calm. All right? We were all
1: around the microphone. Ask me for calm and quiet. Just relax. Don't get upset. And we kept this up all evening. In the hours and days following Dr. King's assassination on April 4th, 1968, DJs around the country continued to serve the black community. As cities erupted into rioting, these talkers did their best to keep the peace.
3: About that time, the phone started ringing from other parts of the country. I explained to them, I said, the only way that you can try and alleviate the pressure that's getting ready to happen and to explode is to ask for calm and ask for peace and let the people know that the places that you are going to destroy are your own. They are the only things that you have. You're not going downtown Philadelphia. You're not going downtown Manhattan. You're not going downtown in The Loop in Chicago. So all you have left is where you live, where you work, and where you buy your clothes and your food. If you destroy that, then what the hell are you going to do? Not only in Chicago, we were all in the thing together, and we kept it down to a bare minimum at all places. Of course, we did have some problems but not nearly
2: as much as it could have been. And now to Ben Perry. From in front of Ebenezer Baptist Church in a scorching hot sun, pallbearers have just placed the body of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. in a wagon. As you know, Dr. King considered the wagon and the mule a symbol of poverty. As we look out across the many masses, the mass of humanity, here in front of Ebenezer Baptist Church, there's serenity, quiet, and calm. Many of these people are the masses that Dr. King talked about. He says, bring me your masses. You're hungry. You're poor. You're tired. These are the people Dr. King tried to help during his lifetime. Now they will waiting anxiously to get the last glimpse of the fallen civil rights leader." Is the Baptist Church. This is Ben Perry. And now I'm back
1: to Atlanta control. How DJs helped get listeners through those days of tragedy and loss is a testament to the power of black radio. This talk has carried on the nonviolent tradition of the civil rights movement, all the while paying homage to the slain leader. Yeah, boy, we used to have a lot of fun on the road, especially in the South. Because when you're traveling down there, you know, the folks, they take you to their house and feed you. Sometimes that can be detrimental because you eat too much. So when you're ready to go sing, you can't because you're so full. But that was all right. You know, religion has always played a big role in black radio from the beginning. Radio listeners enjoyed African-American quartets, choirs, and preachers praising God on the air.
2: Oh,
1: Back in the 1920s, African-American quartets began broadcasting live on local radio stations. In Memphis, you could hear the I.C. Glee Club Quartet, and they were the first black American gospel group to broadcast in Memphis. Kip Lornell is the author of Happy in the Service of the Lord, a book about African-American gospel quartets in Memphis. They were really
6: the precursor to the main group in terms of popularity to broadcast in Memphis, uh, which was the Spirit of Memphis, certainly the most widely recognized of the Black American Sacred Gospel Quartets to uh, really appear out of Memphis.
2: Carnation Milk
6: presents the Spirit of Memphis Quartet.
2: Asian milk from contented cows bring you spirituals old
6: and new in the famous fashion of the Spirit of Memphis Quartet. To start their... Quartets were among the first form of Black American music to be broadcast regularly over the airwaves, partly because it was starting to become popular in the Black community to a great degree, but also because it was a safe, form an acceptable form of black american music at the same time that the I.C. glee club quartet was broadcasting over radio station in memphis you had ellington at the cotton club which was doing some broadcasting that was a little bit more risky for broadcasters to some degree than to broadcast something safe like sacred music
1: in 1921 and James Hill started singing with the group in 1946. We was on WLAC every morning at
3: 6.45 for Sunway out of Chicago. When we get through singing in the morning, we'd have to go out and get breakfast and come back to the station and be recording maybe three or four hours sometime during the day, getting transcripts for all the other 19 stations that we had. And we'd come on in the Philadelphia, Five oh five in the morning, and went off San Antonio, Texas at eleven oh five each night. So way anyway, you went in the state, just about, You could hear Fairfield. That went on for twelve years.
1: African-American gospel quartets were heard from coast to coast over the
2: networks. (laughs) Yes, it's Carolina in the Morning, and you're hearing about it from four of Dixie's favorite radio stars, Bill Johnson. And his Golden Gate Jubilee singers from Charlotte, North Carolina. Until then, your friends, the prayer band leader in the Southern Airs, hope the light from the lighthouse will
0: shine in your life and home time the National Broadcasting Company, Very interesting, to say the least. I encourage you to look forward to twenty-five years of Black Radio, Lou Rolls is the uh, narrator, great stuff in there, terrible things about the history of our country. You hear the actual voices of the Ku Klux Klan, you hear Dr. Martin Luther King, you hear James Brown, you hear all these people that are vital, crucial to the history of our American history, because... We have to get over that. Black history is American history, and the fact that we have to keep saying it is shameful, if anything. I mean, for me, anytime I hear someone talk about that's the first black person, black first black woman, first, I mean, come on, this is what, this has been going on since 1619. 1789, George Washington became president. But yet we still talk about black achievement because of the lack of opportunities for those achievements. And when it does happen, it's kept quiet. You know, they, 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 they might whitewash it. They might just forget about it, ignore it. And, yes, they means the government. They means the power structure. You know, when we speak about white people, we're not talking about the individual person. But if you fit the category and the shoe fits, then I guess you must put that shoe on and wear it. Nick Cannon gets into trouble because he argued that the real, original Jews, but we don't call it Jews, we call it Hebrews... They were black. He gets in trouble for saying that. He has to go and apologize to the Jewish community, the German, European, that community, as opposed to the biblical Hebrews that live in parts of Africa. Where did we get it wrong, did original man come from Europe? The United States? What? So, for Nick Cannon to argue, maybe he did it in a way that should have been done, I guess. I mean, look, some things you feel and believe in, and when it comes to religion, you shouldn't talk about it. Abortion? You know the certain topics you gotta stay away from because it's gonna cause controversy, and if you don't want to get into a full blown argument with someone over your beliefs or your principles or your values and this, that, and the third, then sometimes just keep quiet, and let's see what they got to say. Nick Cannon said, "I'm not sure because I didn't hear it, but I know he I saw some like him." says he had to go before the some Jewish organizations and like tell them I'm sorry and explain this that in the third. But he wasn't taken out of context. The original Hebrews were black. These guys, the Ashkenazis, uh, they, they come from Europe. Yes they're Jewish, yes, okay, but some of them don't even speak Hebrew. They speak Yiddish. I mean, you know, we can get into this in a in a discussion without using um, slurs, invectives. We can go intellectual. We can go. We can go anthropological. What's the evidence? He did not need to apologize. He needed to explain his position when he made the original statement. Because he might have been one of them shows while and out. And he thought he was being funny and this, that, and the third. You don't talk about people's families or some guy's wife. You don't tell someone how to raise their kids. You don't talk about abortion and your opinion on it. Or what you think about religion, or whether you are atheist or not. You hold on to what you got, because that's what's gonna sustain you. You don't need to be doing it for show. But if you need to stand up, yes, you need to stand up. And if you have principles, then hold on to them. You know? Hold on to them. I like telling the truth. My father said to me once that it's hard to remember your lies. It's hard because, you know, you're going to get confused. And that's why people get tripped up. They get interrogated and the version of an event turns and changes and whatnot because it's not the truth. But if you tell the truth, your tale will be always the same. What happened that day, you know, I, in part, part of my teaching style, was to always include, if I could, myself. I tried to make the lessons become something that the kids could relate to. I'm teaching social studies, and I'm also teaching Spanish, and I coach basketball. Social studies, history is something that people, if they like it, they like it. But generally, yeah, it's kind of boring if you don't tell it proper. So you have to make it so that the children understand where you're coming from and they can see themselves and walk in those shoes. Like if you take a Charles Dickens a Twist, you obviously got to take those kids into that world and they can see themselves because they... Where are we from, man? We do we're the underclass, <laughs> so we know about struggle. You know, we know about eating hot dogs for dinner. I mean, all kinds of crazy stuff that people that I do. You know, to to survive, to make it, and what our parents do for us. There's no, come on, there's no awards, there's nothing you can really do. When you got good parents, you are a lucky person. And when you got two of them, you're even better off. Nothing worse than kids who go through divorce. It changes them, changes the whole dynamic, and it only adds to the negativity that's already out there in the world. I say that because today I would have been married for 30 years, but about 10 years ago, my ex-wife uh, divorced me. I didn't ask for a divorce. I was in for the full ride. I come from that world. My mother and father married and they never said a cross word to each other. Now, luckily, or for them, unfortunately for me, you know, sometimes styles differ. But she was so damn beautiful, I couldn't resist. So I did pull the trigger. And we spent 20 years together. I thought we were civil, but it is what it is. You try to maintain because you have children in the way. And that's why the struggle for equal justice, equal rights for everyone in this country is so important. I'm 62 years old. I'm on my way out. But you got youth coming up, young people coming up, and it doesn't seem like they're being properly prepared. They don't know about the past, the present, or the possibilities. You got people not being prepared. They don't know about the past, the present, all the possibilities that come from taking those two, the past and the present, and then triangulating it to your future. I'll say that again. The triangle, the pyramids, the vagina creation, in order for folks. To understand truly who they are and what they can be, they have got to do the triangle. Again, we come from the triangle, we revere the triangle, we revere the three, and we revere the fact (laughs) that if you know about your past, you'll have a sense about your present, And by having those two, and then adding the third, you can figure out pretty much what your future will be if things go according to plan. We never know what God has in store for us. So all you can do is wake up and do the right thing and try to maintain karma you know, the golden rule, it's very easy to be a human being. It really is. Once you understand the golden rule and you apply it, and you'll see where it will lead, to good places. So applying the golden rule can never hurt you. Being a jerk, self-centered, not worrying about or thinking about others. Well, it can only take you to one place. And it is what it is. We learn, we live, and we continue to strive. Never stop struggling. I hope you enjoyed the broadcast today. I really have enjoyed bringing it to you. It's a beautiful day in the Bronx. The sun is out. It's a bit cold. But if you stay on the sunny side of the street, you'll always be fine. Until next time, Martin Espinal saying, be well, be good.